It's Positive Spark Plug time, and I'm your host, Candace, and I am so fired up for you guys today, for I have a very special guest, Dave Robertson, and let me tell you this, he just lets out so much powerful, usable tools that you can take right now to transform your life, to help you reclaim and rewrite your stories, take ownership, take power back, to really allow yourself to flourish in the art of who you are. This episode is just mind-blowing, and I'm so excited for you guys to listen. So let's get to it! Hello, Dave. How are you? I am wonderful, Candice. How are you? I am pumped. I'm so excited to have you on the Positive Spark Plug podcast. I can't wait to learn all about you and all about the value that you are going out and spreading with the world. So thank you for joining me and uh, giving me your time and energy. Thank you for having me. Let's rock and roll. Yeah. My first question, I like to have fun with my guest, um, is what are your three favorite emojis or the three emojis that best describe you and why? Love it. Uh, the Shaka emoji is very much a, a uh, standard use emoji for me. Um, just good vibes. Good vibes. Keep it that way. Yeah. Uh, I use the axe emoji a lot because one of my favorite phrases is chop chop. Uh, <laughs> you know, for me, uh, just a, a reminder to keep working at the task, like keep chipping away, chopping away at the long term goal. Um, so I'll use the axe emoji a lot. Uh, final emoji is recently with what's going on in the world, it's this one, you know, the one that's like, uh, yeah, I don't really know. yeah. Like, Rug, hands up, arms out to the side. Yeah, like, I don't know what's going on type emoji. So uh, I would say those are the three most common use emojis. And that's a great intro question. I love it. <laughs> Amazing. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, so I got introduced to you by Dave. Uh, sorry. But <laughs> not, not Dave. I'm Dave. Bye, Mark. <laughs> I got introduced by introduced to you by Mark, who is on my podcast. And uh, he actually gave me a little insight on you that you actually have a nickname name Chopper Dave. And is that why you say Chop Chop? And can you go into that a little bit? Yeah, the Chopper Dave nickname came up, uh, we'll say because of the of the chopping. So uh, I used to be I used to say Chip Chip instead of Chop Chop. Right. Okay. And, so, and that to me, that was like a little chisel that you're like chipping away at something. Right. And it's similar mindset. But Mark uh, had the insight to say, hey, man, well, what if you were like taking bigger hacks out of that? What would what would that look like? And so that turned instead of chip chipper, Dave, which doesn't sound good at all. Right. <laughs> it's turned yeah. into chopper, Dave. Uh, Mark also has a tendency to rotate nicknames or to, to just you know, so there's been a myriad number of nicknames in the past couple of years that <laughs> as of today, I'm Chopper Dave, but who knows what I'll be, you know, called by Mark here in <laughs> X number of time frames. So. Oh, I love it. I love it. 
So you are a coach. Um, mm -hmm. You help people understand the art of human flourishing. That is off mm -hmm. your IG. And I love that. When I first read that, I was like, that is amazing. Can you dive deeper into that and why you chose that specifically? Because that really is catchy. Definitely. So uh, I heard the word eudaimonia, right? Uh, it's a Greek term. And Aristotle, uh, Plato, Epicurus, those folks really started to, to popularize the term and to live out that ethos, right? And that, that term, eudaimonia, translates directly to having a good guardian spirit. But it also translates indirectly to, you know, human flourishing, right? And so what what I love to use it for and the way that I like to use it in my practice is a lot of people focus on individual aspects of the human experience or bettering the human experience. You know, there's yeah. folks who focus on, you know, just the workout side or just the diet side or just the habit side or, you know, just the word side. And the way that I view the world is everything works in concert with one another and everything yeah. works together. Right. And so, the human body is very complicated. It's a system. And if we're only addressing one piece of that system or one piece of the pie, so to speak, there's a lot of low hanging fruit that's on the table that we're missing. And there's a lot of ways when we focus on a collective that we can bring up the individual. Uh, and flourishing is a great word, right? Like, you know, it's, it's akin to thrive and yet you know, when I think of flourish, I think of more uh, uh, like more beautiful type things like flowers flourish and and nature flourishes and yeah. and, you know, nature thriving is a different type of vibe for me. And so what, what I want to do is help people. What I do is help people hone in on what they want to create in their lives and help them flourish into that. Yes, yes, yes. I like that you said flourish is a good word because I want to start talking about words because that is a huge thing of what you do. You are a level three in lifted coach and a lifted coaching is all about really being able to transform your stories and use your stories to empower you and move you forward within life. Can you talk about why you got into using such coaching with like mm. yourself and with individuals and, and why you went that route? Because like you said, there's so many ways, but with words, it really tackles everything. Like it tackles the yeah. whole human, human body because it really propels energy into our body, our mind, our soul, our heart, everything. So can you discuss why you went into it? Uh, sure. And I think you hit the nail on the head there because for me, story work and words are the through line between everything else. Like it's the thing that connects everything. And I, and I was missing that piece. Um, backing up a little bit, I, in 2017, I guess from 2011, 2010 to 2017, I was a financial planner and uh, I've got a, a background in coaching. That's what I did right out of school. But then I got into financial planning to build that career. And, you know, during largely most of my twenties, uh, you know, and I wanted to build, you know, a business and freedom and flexibility and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh, 
started off really well, had some uh, years and then knew for a while that I, okay, this isn't necessarily for me. And I, I had the calling to get back into coaching. Um, so I met Mark for the first time, Mark England in the beginning of 2017, maybe the end of 2016, uh, we struck up a friendship and, you know, we went out for lunch one day and I just expressed to him all the stuff I was dealing with, all the angst, all the, you know, indecisions and all, you know, all the things that, that, you know, we talk with our clients about and, and, um, you know, he said, Hey man, why, why don't you, you know, why don't we hop on a call next week and I'm going to send you some stuff, just write some stuff down. It's like, cool. So I was being coached by story work without having any idea that it was story work. Uh, and it helped me to hone in on a couple different big transitions personally, professionally. It helped me to change, change my frame of mind as I was leading into, um, an ultra marathon that I was ill prepared for. Uh, and that's a, that's a separate story, but, but that's a good story. Um, and, and ultimately as Mark and I get, got to know one another. And as I made these transitions, I saw such huge value in focusing on the stories we're telling ourselves. Um, you know, I, I helped Mark and Mike Bledsoe launch and lifted at paleo effects in 2019 in in Austin, Texas. And that was a ball learned a lot with that. And there was a big team with, with that, um, in the beginning of 2020, I actually moved to the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico, uh, just north of the Belize border in order to open a health and wellness retreat. And I went down there with a business partner. This was like a big move. Like I freaking moved to Mexico. (laughs) And then, uh, you know, the coronavirus hit and all of us, I I would imagine collectively suffered a loss of some sort and some much heavier than others. Um, you know, I was grieving the loss of this dream. Right. And Mark got me onto level one. And what I found with level one was it was very much a lot of my angst, you know, and anxiety per se was not necessarily even related to the most recent events. Right. It was related to stuff I just hadn't necessarily dealt with in the past. And so, on that certification, I found myself very quickly shedding a whole bunch of crap from the past, uh, which created a whole bunch of space to then step into, you know, over the past year, what I'm doing now. And I watched the other 11 people on that cert transform as well. And so when I saw that happen, I decided, okay, I'm going to commit to doing a thousand story work sessions. And I got the ball rolling on that. And I'm at, at 350 or something like that today. Uh, but the transformations or, and the transformations that I saw within myself and with, you know, my peers were extending into my clients and into people whom I had these conversations with and got on a Google doc with and slowed things down with, and was able to hold space for people for, and those experiences led me to believe and understand that, wow, this is a incredibly powerful tool to use. And I am, um, uniquely suited to facilitating these types of experiences for people. So it became a no brainer and (laughs) I integrated it through. um, I'm actually wanting to take the, the level one. I think he says it's in July, the next one. Um, 
there's one this month. It was just a little too close for me, but yeah, I'm planning on hopefully getting into the July one because I'm, I've always had a knack with words and learning them and trying to be very positive and only really speak positive into, into the world and stuff like that. And so I just love resonating with people like that. Can you go into one of your stories that really was like a very big unraveling moment for you um, within level one that really kind of was like a pivoting point for you to be like, whoa, this is not just that like fluffy stuff that people talk mm. about. This is real. Like this hit. Yeah. Yeah. It was the first call. It was the first call of, of level one. And, you know, we had had our, our, writing assignments before and, and the idea is to write down, you know, write down the voices inside of your head. You know, if you talk crap to yourself or wh whatever you say, right. Like, like just yeah. write down the, that story, that, that voice. And to be honest with you, I, I sold it short and I half-assed it. You know, I, I, I wrote down the stuff that I, I had already worked through, so to speak, you know, it's like, okay, okay here's the familiar story. Here's the stuff that, yeah, I still think about, but it's like things that I had largely moved past and weren't the deep in darkest, you know, inner shadow stuff. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I think I read second out of 12 and the person before me, you know, shared their thing and it was okay. And then the person after me got into, you know, um, a kidnapping. Right. And that was their big story. And the person after that was a, you know, 18 year, Iraqi war and Afghani war veteran and had seen some shit, you know, and then the person after that, you know, talked about, you know, mom and dad stuff. that was super heavy. And I was just, I was sitting back both astounded and ashamed in the very same sense of, yeah. you know, wow. Like I, these folks, my peers are going all in and I held back. Right. And so yeah. that next week I, open the call. I was like, Hey, I, I'd love to read first. And I apologize for holding out on you guys. Like, this is the real shit. Here's really what's going on. Here are my real deepest, you know, inner struggles. And, you know, those, those conversations, other people's courage allowed me to dive into my own self. And, you know, that's why I really appreciate not only this community, but then those particular platforms and, you know, group, group stuff in general, most of my work's one-on-one, -on -one, but I, that in those group settings, if someone else is vulnerable, it allows, it gives people permission for themselves and, and, you know, socially to be able to then also be vulnerable. And so I, I found that that was an amazing container to really, uh, really heal, you know, yes. and being able to provide that, that container for other people to step into. I mean, you know, most, there's a st statistic out there that the average 40 year old male in America has less than one friend <laughs> that they can count oh. on to have a real conversation with. It's like 0.8 friends. Right. So That's That's it's sad. super sad. It's super sad. And and a lot of times, you know, you can't go to your spouse because it's, you're dealing with spouse stuff. Or a lot of times you can't talk to your boss or your colleagues because you're dealing with work stuff and then there's yeah. spouse stuff. And it's like, well, uh, you know, and so being a container for helping people to write the stuff down, change their relationship to it, change their physiological state while they're experiencing these things. And then, you know, have people take the static or the, or the piece of paper that's right in front of their face and put it at arm's length and yes. 
you know, creating that space means that you can create clarity from that. And then you can actually create, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. You can yes. do what you want to do moving forward because you have the space to do it. So, yeah, I, I got some, I pulled accountability out of there because when you said you apologized at the second meeting, do you feel that that was like a first step with you not only taking accountability for you owning your deepest stories, but also, you know, taking accountability to be vulnerable to those that are open to holding that space for you? Yeah. And that's a great point. That's a great point. I hadn't thought about it in those terms, um, but that that makes a lot of sense to me, you know, where in many ways I was admitting things to myself that had been rattling around in my brain, but I wasn't able to verbalize or put on paper. And to be able to admit that not only to myself, but also to a community of peers who were accepting and open to, you know, my past experiences, just like I was accepting and open to their past experiences, it, it, it really allowed that, it really allowed that healing process to occur. Right. Yes. Um, yes. You know, and, and that accountability is a big thing. Like I, you know, I've been a coach full time for four years. I was a strength and conditioning coach at a D one university right out of college. And I did that for about a year and, you know, I'll, accountability, direction, knowledge, all those things are hugely important. And coaches need coaches. Like I, I have a coach now, you know, in addition yep. to being a coach, because I need to talk about stuff. And, and there's yeah. always an evolution and a journey in, in, you know, where we're at, if we're open to going on that journey. Yes, yes, yes. Within, within taking accountability and, and being vulnerable within ourselves and the stories that we bring to our own selves when we're in the middle of reflecting and, you know, sharing and, and moving forward within them and also talking as a coach, how do you allow somebody to, to navigate through their energies throughout their body? Because a lot of the time, um, we're, we're closed off and I find that our body holds more than what we like to, to tell. So yes. how do you how do you allow somebody to navigate their energy throughout their body as they're trying to also address their story? Mm. A couple things. Um, I grew up with two younger sisters, and so I'm I'm just I'm naturally more empathetic. Like I was the big brother, right? And so yep. I, I was a very empathetic person growing up. I happen to be a, a double Aquarius, if you believe in that type of thing. Right? So oh, I've got an Aquarius okay. sun and an Aquarius moon, so I'm super empathetic. On top of that, um, so I think that that definitely helps. Um, you know, I was introduced, or I found a book in maybe 2015 or 16 or 17. Uh, it's a book called Presence by Amy Cuddy, C-U-D-D-Y. And she's got a great TED Talk, 20 minutes or so, that sums the book. Uh, we've known, scientists have known, it's been common knowledge that, you know, the mind leads the body for a long time. Like our words lead the body and our body also leads the mind. Just as you said, if we're closed off, scrunched over, you know, arms crossed, um, not open, that is going to to facilitate a more sympathetic fight or flight anxiety closed off state right and what amy cuddy talked about that i, I experienced uh on a financial planning sales call right it was a big one this was been working on it for a long time and, and before this meeting you know what 
could be the final meeting, right? Yep. Uh, before taking on a big case. Uh, I went in the bathroom and I stood in the bathroom, like arms up overhead for about two minutes. And I stood in like the Superman pose for yes. another two or three minutes. And I just stood in the mirror and positive talk myself and walked in there and owned it. And it was fantastic, right? And, and I forget the actual, you know, individual statistics on this, but by holding a power pose, right, as Amy calls it, uh, testosterone increases, right? And that happens in both men and women, right? Uh, cortisol decreases, right, substantially. Uh, and and like, this is not like a 1% thing. It's maybe like 15% or 20% or something substantial, right? Yeah. Uh, and when we smile, right? We smile while we're doing things that suck. Like that actually physiologically changes our brain. And so to wrap all this back around, when I'm across from someone in a Zoom session or in a one-on-one and I notice a, <sighs> I notice that big sigh, or I notice the hunching, um, or, or I see the furrows of the brow, or I notice the tears start to come, right? It's, it's allowing those things. It's opening, you know, uh, encouraging those things that is important and checking in with the breath, making sure that we're breathing in through our nose, getting big breath in, that we're using our exhales and that our exhales are longer than our inhales. And that pulls us down into that parasympathetic nervous system state, that rest and relax and that feed and breed as opposed to the fight or flight. Um, you know, nasal breathing is, is responsible for keeping us calm and our mouths are used for the emergency breathing, right? Emergency breathing, eating and talking. Uh, oh. We've have our whole like nasal passages designed for, for breathing and that's pretty much it. And so what happens when we breathe through our mouth or if we breathe very shallowly or if we're breathing up in our chest and not down in our diaphragm is we're causing that sympathetic nervous system response because of a buildup of carbon dioxide. And most people are not able to handle carbon dioxide as a stressor you know, mechanism. And so focusing on breathing through the nose, focusing on, on increasing the exhales, focusing on body language and just encouraging a sit up or encouraging a big smile or encouraging a big breath before an emotional time. Those are all ways to connect with the physical self uh, while we're experiencing emotions or while we're experiencing something, you know, mental, emotional, uh, you know, it is a system. They, they do tie in together and, and both lead, both can lead. Right. And if we're using both, then now we're flourishing, right? Yeah. You know, it doesn't make any sense to be in a power pose and be saying, David, you dumb, stupid, yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Nor does it make any sense to, you know, be all hunched over and crunched up and be like, David, you're the man, you know, you got this, right? Like, like yeah. let's use both, right? Yeah. Let's use yeah. both. So. Yes, yes, yes. So when you're, when you're working with someone and they're, um, I would like to go back to what you said in the beginning. They're they're telling their story and it's kind of like it's in the front of their face. Like they're just, yeah. they're so in it and they're so just invested with like every little like nick of the story. Um, how do you help somebody allow themselves to navigate, to pull that story away from themselves while still honoring it within its own like necessity? Because you don't want to, you don't want to not give, you know, honor to things that have happened, but how do you allow it to not be so much in power of you, especially mm -hmm. if it was something that was negative that happened once or maybe for a long period of time in your life? 
there's a phrase in the coaching world, uh, pepper burns twice. Burns when you eat it, burns when it's going out. And if it sits in there, it's going to cause a whole lot of chaos, right? And so, you know, the body keeps the score is another way of, of saying that, right? And so a lot of times we experience traumas or we experience experiences and we perceive them as traumas or, you know, we whatever it may be. And we don't allow ourselves to fully heal from those experiences, right? We don't shake it out. We don't cry it out. We don't, uh, you know, express our anger or our frustration or our sadness, right? We just yeah. bottle it up and go back to work, bottle it up yeah. and put on a fake smile and deal with it. And that stuff manifests over time, big time. Um, Mark talks about a statistic of this is an ongoing 30 year Harvard study that only 3% of people write down their goals. Only 3% of people have written goals. And so wow. I would imagine much less or much fewer people than that have written down their fears. I imagine much fewer people than that have written down the past stuff that they've experienced that really sucks to get into. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, if I'm dealing, um, I, I do a fair amount of work in the addiction recovery community, you know, either folks in active recovery or active addiction. And oh, that's amazing. The, it's, it's, it's extremely rewarding and frustrating and gnarly and amazing all at the same time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times people are closed off in those, you know, communities and don't want to accept pain that they've caused or damage that they've experienced or whatever it may be. And, and I always tell those folks, and I tell anybody, if we can write something down today, it's a win, right? If we write something down, get it on paper and we sit and stare at one another for the next 45 minutes, all good, right? Because that's a big first step. And so we write stuff down, we read through it, right? Read it out loud. And that's going to be a, a different set of emotions that come up. Uh, and then we sit and we feel those, you know, um, we experience those, we check in with our bodies, we name and give descriptions to the sensations that we're feeling and the emotions that we're feeling. Right. Yes. And then we slow down that read, right. We read it at a slower pace, a different state, because a lot of times what happens, especially if we're talking about crazy stuff or stuff that, you know, we really want to gloss over, frankly, and we don't want to talk about it. We'll talk really, really fast. And then it's just not a big deal. We can get through it and be done with it. Yep. Right? Yeah. And <laughs> Yep. When we slow things down, it allows us to feel and allows us to put distance between it. You know, and sometimes this happens in one session. Sometimes this happens over a period of time. And what almost always occurs is that that story, call it call it like a book, right? Like that 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 page in the book of your life that is again right in front of your face now starts to be at arm's length. And then we start to realize that, okay, wow, like we aren't both the protagonist and the antagonist and all the side characters and everything else. Like we're, we're more the director and we can kind of sit back and now instead of it being right in front of our face or at arm's length, we, it turns into a movie. We can put it on a screen. We can sit back in the audience and be like, huh, wow. And observe it. And yeah, we may have emotions come up while we observe something, but it's much farther away. We can see the moving parts. We can see the themes. We can see how we got to this point. We can see what happened next, you know, and yeah. it takes a lot of the emotion out of it for people. Um, you know, and that process is in and of itself story work. You know, we include breath in between there uh, in certain places and at certain times, but it's moving through certain experiences that people have had and having them, uh, 
talk about it or write it down or experience it such so that those emotions can come to the surface and then hopefully go out. Go right. Out. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I want to, I want to talk about that because there's a word that goes around. It's like gaslighting, like, Oh, don't gaslight people. And, and that's, I feel why a lot of people are nervous to actually express what they're feeling when something is happening and stuff. And then we also have that, like, there's a time and place for things to be felt or da 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 to be done. Don't mm-hmm. go crying when you feel like crying and stuff. So how do you, how do you help somebody really be okay with expressing what they need to express within their voice, within their, their talk, within owning their story and their body when they need to, um, instead of just, you know, <clears throat> pushing it down, even if it maybe might not be the appropriate time or place, how do they still do it then so that it's not just forgotten about because the day goes on and now that energy is just stored there until it comes up again, even worse. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, I keep a journal most places with me, you know, and if I need to scribble something down, I'll scribble something down. You know, we can all write it down in the notes section of our phone or something like that. Sometimes one breath can be enough. Uh, on the my screensaver, I'm going to minimize Zoom for a second. My screensaver is a quote by Viktor Frankl, who wrote Man's Search for Meaning. And the quote says, between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and our freedom. And it's the first line, between stimulus and response, there is a space. That yes is so profound to me because we always have time for one breath. We always have space for a breath or maybe even two breaths or maybe even, you know, like doing hard things, you know, if you're into ice baths or long hikes or, you know, working out or like uh, self-help or saunas or whatever, right? Like the idea with that in my mind is to create a wedge and to drive that wedge in between stimulus and response and to be able to notice it when it comes up and make that wedge wider and wider and wider so that something happens x and there's going to be a response emotional physical verbal you know physiological or otherwise you know and that's why right but in between there can we take a breath can we have some awareness can we notice what's happening inside of our bodies like you know uh, once we understand that anxiety is within ourselves, within our our physical self, we can start to, for lack of a better term, fight back, right? So like, I know if my heart rate raises up, I know if I get, you know, uh, uh, hotter really quickly, if I know if I, you know, get that just feeling in my chest, I can put a name on that. I can put a label on that. I can take a couple breaths. I can stop the chatter. And I've learned to be able to pull myself out of those more often than not, much quicker than I used to be able to, you know, and, and nobody's perfect. And those are very valuable tools to be able to have in your tool belt if you're experiencing something, um, you know, and, and having someone who can hold space and be a container, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's invaluable. It's invaluable, yeah, whether that's, I, yeah. I was going to talk about that because um, it, 
it's important like for me um i like to say that for one i'm also very i believe that i'm very aware of my body and and how it responds to things um if i'm getting excited i'm one of those people where um my friends kind of like giggle at me when i'm over like stimulated like i i like tense up like i get like excited like, like you probably have seen me doing it just on the podcast like i get clenched yeah. when i get excited um and it's just like for a long time for me, um, people were like always looking at me weird. And I it was something that I was like, oh, okay, should I not? And it was something that I eventually just started to embrace. I'm like, this is just me. I'm a very like energy person. So I just started doing it. it. Um, how do you, um, how do you take uh, like the knowledge of your body and um, how do you like, when something's happening with your body, for those of that mm. are not typically aware of what's happening with their body, because there's some people that have no body spatial awareness, nothing going on. Right. What are some ways for you to help bring them in, especially if like resorting back to like breathing shallow is like really quick for them? So like, what are other ways that you can like, okay, how do you know that you're getting this way? if shallow breathing is something that's just regular for them to do because they're not deep mm. breathers. People get stuck in fight or flight. You know, that's a big thing. It's a really, really big thing. Um, people get stuck there. And a lot of times you're right. People of spatial awareness or proprioception or, or body awareness is, is um, minimal. And yet, you know, noticing, maybe not necessarily noticing then within your body what's happening, but understanding emotions. Like we can understand, okay, I'm angry, right? Yeah. And like, cool, stop, take a breath, whether it's shallow or not, and see what angry feels like and just try to put a pin in that, right? Okay, cool. This is angry, right? And then maybe something happens, you watch a movie or, you know, your dog dies and you have sad, right? And it's like, okay, sad, take a breath, put a pin in this, this is what sad is like, right? Yeah. And, you know, having having these various emotions and then combinations of these emotions, you know, anger and sadness combined in together, that's a different thing. Yeah. You know, sadness and happy combined in together is a different thing, you know? And, and there's a lot of different, different types of emotions and being descriptive with what one is experiencing is, is can't be difficult, right? Uh, there's a great game I like to play, especially in a group setting. If I pair people off and we go, we alternate and we, it, it, it's, um, I notice, I imagine, and I feel okay. three rounds. The first round is I notice, right? So you sit here and for you start a clock for one minute, I go, uh, I notice I've got some succulents right here. I notice that, you know, there's a whiteboard in front of me. I notice that there's a light. I notice I'm on a podcast, right? You know, et cetera. You go back and forth. So these are physical world stuff. Um, yes. I imagine is, you know, what you may imagine to be true about the situation or about someone else. And, you know, back and forth, you could look at me and say, oh, I imagine that, you know, you have some Irish background with that big red beard you have, you know, and I imagine that you probably like to use a sauna because you have a sauna behind you in the picture, you know, <laughs> yeah. and like stuff like that, right? And that third piece is the I feel piece. And once we can start to see, okay, these are things I'm picking out with my eyes. These are things that are in my head that I can kind of have thoughts 
that allows us to separate those. And then now, okay, I feel, what do you feel? You know, I feel excited to be here. I feel nervous talking to you about this. I feel, you know, uh, happy to, you know, have it be Friday afternoon, like whatever those things are. And then that's a great exercise to start identifying emotions, right? And identify physiological feelings that come up with those emotions, right? I love that. It's rad. It's rad. And then if you can sit down across from someone like, you know, a foot or two away and like, and really connect with them, right? Like eye gaze, like sit across from someone and look into their eyes and have a conversation with them. And then if there's more people like start to rotate them, one person stays, one group goes, and now you're going to do, I imagine I notice I feel with multiple different people and and it's fun. It's a good way to connect with people. Oh, I like that. I'm going to start using that. Steal it. Take it, please. Oh my God. Call it your own. That is so cool. I love that. Love, love that. Love that. So when you're in the middle of, you know, helping someone transform themselves and and their stories, what words are you specifically kind of like looking for or hearing within someone's like telling of their story? And what words are you trying to like emphasize more of? Like, so what are you trying to like take away and what are you trying to put more of in? Great question. Um, There's a couple categories of words that stick out to me now, right? And it wasn't always the case, but now they do based on reps, right? Uh, Negations. So these are going to be don't, can't, not. Uh, In our language, in the English language, we tend to put an emphasis on the things that we don't want to have happen, right? Uh, you know, I, I don't want to be sad. Okay. Well, what do you want? Well, I do want to be happy. Cool. Let's talk about that instead, you know? And so negations are a big one. Soft talk is a big one, especially when it comes to future things. You know, I kind of think that maybe perhaps I'd like to one day get into the gym. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Mm, Odds are low. (laughs) That's going to occur. Right. (laughs) So, so taking soft talk, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. AKA never, right. Which is the next category. Uh, but taking soft talk out and replacing that with solid talk, you know, like getting more concrete about what it is we actually want. Um, a lot of times soft talk is related to, or we use soft talk because we're still actualizing what we want to do right with ourselves. And, you know, when we use it with other people, we're waiting for the, uh, you think I should go to the gym? Like, is that a good idea? Like you, I can do this. Okay, great. Like we're, we're trying to get permission from people oftentimes and permission from ourselves to do things. Uh, you mentioned the word never, which falls under binary language, always, never, only any, right? These are, um, words that are rarely accurate, right? Uh, she's always late. Right. And it's like, oh, hmm, you know, that goes along with yes. that. Right. I'd imagine at some point she was on time. Like, is there one time where, where she could be on time? You know, I, I had a conversation with a client of mine on Tuesday and it was, you know, my dad never gave me any support. So, okay. Like while that may very well be the case and that's extremely valid, right. What if we change some language to have it feel more accurate and be more accurate? You know, my dad rarely gave me the support I needed is a Uh, different statement than my dad never gave me any support. Right. And it it conjures up, it hits different and it conjures up different emotions. Right. The final piece of this that really sticks out to me is 
projections, right? And that's where we project onto or, you know, project um, blame or, or fault or control to someone else. So if it's she, he, you know, they, them, et cetera, et cetera, that typically uh, entails or typically means that there's some piece of responsibility that that individual has not taken on themselves, right? Like yeah. she needs to make me happy. I need to make me happy, right? That's a big difference, right? Yeah. And the projections highlight oftentimes the victim mentality, which sadly is runs rampant in today's society. And the victim mentality, I've got the definition right here. It's an acquired personality trait where a person tends to regard himself or herself as the victim of the negative actions of others, even in the absence of clear evidence. The victim mentality depends on habitual thought process and attributions. So that's not to say that people are not victims. Yeah. Right. Because that happens. Unfortunately, it does. And yet that aspect of being a victim or something that we're perceiving as victim, that can turn into an entire way to view the world. Yes. Yes. And, you know, ultimately when I sit down and have a conversation with somebody or they, they respond to prompts on the Google doc and we're starting to work through things, negations, soft talk, binary language, and projections pop out of a page like it's bolded and highlighted to me at this point, you know, and, and it's just, it's just oftentimes a reframing of one word can change the entire feeling and meaning and vibe of an entire story. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. And it, it's real. <laughs> That's like, it's, I still get my mind blown even just saying that out loud, but it's, it's, individual words matter significantly. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. So when you're working with someone and you're helping them, uh, you know, switch the words into, you know, words that are of service to them, they, they mm -hmm. help them. Um, and it hits a different, and like you said, it brings up different feelings and emotion. Do you feel it's those emotions that were maybe hidden that, you know, weren't present at any moment that were what was keeping them stuck in that story? Or do you think it's just maybe because it's an enlightenment of what's happening at that moment, that space that's opening up? I think it can be both. I think it can be both. You know, the the second piece reminded me of a of a client of mine in a addiction uh, addiction recovery center that is working through things. Um, you know, he was dealing with something from his ex from five years ago. hadn't hadn't let go of it, hadn't accepted it, yada yada yada. And I read him the definition of the victim mentality, and that completely shifted everything for him. And I say everything, you know, uh, by me, and I mean that because it was like a light bulb went off, yep. like, oh my gosh, I had been in embodying this and I can show up differently. I can, you know, take responsibility and take control. And it was a moment for him, you know, other times I've experienced, you know, personally and professionally, most of the time when bad things happen to us or when we experience things that are traumatic, be it breakups or deaths or, you know, um, terrible insults or injuries or whatever it may be, right? Yeah. Life keeps going. <laughs> the world keeps spinning. And yeah, oftentimes you got to go back to work on Monday. 
right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, hopefully this didn't happen on a Tuesday and then you got four more days to deal with the suck and hold it in. And then you got two days to numb it away. And then the cycle continues. Right. Um, you know, I had a, an experience where, um, I had a, a very unexpected and unceremonious breakup on the tail end of a really bad injury on the tail, on the very beginning of a road trip that meant that I had all of a sudden totally different plans in two weeks, totally by myself out West. And it was an amazing experience because what I got to do was I just decided to drive. I picked a def- destination. It was 40 hours away. It was on one of the loneliest roads in America going from, you know, Northern Colorado to Northern California through South Dakota, Nevada, and Utah and everything else. And I mean, there were times literally Candace where I pulled, I just stopped my car in the middle of the road and I just got out, juggled the soccer ball, swing a mace, peed in the middle of the road, just like laid down on my car, like chilled in the middle of this desert and saw no one for like, like huge swaths of time. And so I bring that up to say that, you know, I was able to heal. Like I was able to create the space for myself or the space was created for me to step into where, you know, I was able to process stuff. I was able to, to cry it out. I was able to, to do things that I wanted to do and not be, you know, encumbered by life, work, societal expectations. Um, and I moved on from that really, really effectively, quickly. And there was a finality to it, you know, because yeah. when I got back on the plane, cool, done, good. You know, and, and there's still stuff I had to figure out, you know, logistically, but emotionally I was through that much faster than I would have been had I had to go back to work on Monday. Yes, you know? yes. Yeah, you 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 had time to allow it to kind of do what it needed, like throughout your mind, your body, your soul, your heart. You just you were allowed to, like you said, process it and observe it and just kind of respond to it as needed without feeling like, you know, just oh, the world's saying do this and you gotta jump. <laughs> exactly. And sometimes a lot of times people don't have the ability to do that. And so maybe that can occur in 75 minutes or 90 minutes you know, in a session, or maybe that can occur partially in the session and then go and take the afternoon off and go sit outside in your backyard with the journal and under the trees and absorb it, integrate it, you know, and the people who do that are the folks who gain most from any type of experience like this. Yeah. You said the word healing and I love that. Do you find that most of your clients come in looking for a sense of healing or they get like blown away by the healing that comes about with coming to a coach? I'd say again, 50, 50, maybe, um, you know, and, and a lot of people are, I know we spent a lot of time focusing on the, on the stuff that people are experiencing in the past or, 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 you know, stuff that people are experiencing in the present, but a lot of people come to me for future creation, vision creation and okay. stepping into, you know, what they want moving forward. And so in those senses, sometimes we do have to go back and heal mom and dad stuff, or sometimes we do have to go back and like change the, you know, okay, there's spouse stuff now that can really be positively affected. And what I'm really here for is how do I, you know, stop living in fear or how do I, you know, stop living in uh, mediocrity? Like, how do I create what I want to create moving forward and get really clear on what that actually is like for real and define it and write it out and create steps and acknowledge that it's probably not going to happen how you want, 
or in the timeline that you want. And it can and will happen if you keep going and get really clear about it. And so some people come for the healing, some people come for the future stuff. Um, sometimes that occurs within a session and other times it's, you know, we end a session in tears and we get back together next week. And it's just, sometimes there's more tears. Sometimes there's, oh, it's been so great. Like, I just can't believe that that's different or that's gone or, you know, whatever yes. it is. So, you know, everybody's going to have their different experiences. Let, let's talk about uh, the future because we, we have a fear that comes into sometimes not, you know, failing, you know, mm -hmm failure and then also fear of actually obtaining what we're going for that fear mm -hmm. of success like oh my god can i actually be this person um how do you help someone you know switch those stories so that they move forward and and their stories that they're using serve them to to actually transform their life to to what they're actually desiring yeah great uh great question uh the fear side you know fear is very valuable and and there's a massive difference between fear and danger. Um, so I do an exercise with a lot of my clients, almost all my clients called fear setting. And this was popularized by Tim Ferriss. Uh, he has a, a Ted talk on it as well. Um, but he wrote about this in a book called the four hour work week that came out about 10 years ago. Um, but that's an exercise in asking a what if question, you know, what yeah. if I, blank, right? Like the thing that you want to do, right? You know, yes. what if I leave my financial planning career and uh, start a health and wellness business? You know, that was a big question for a long time, right? And it's just staticky and like, ah, uh, like there's so many things, right? Well, the first step in that is writing them down. Like what, what are you afraid of? What could go wrong? Right? Yeah. And what I realized through steps one, two, three, second step is writing down how you prevent them from going wrong if they went wrong. Uh, third step is writing down how you would fix it if it went wrong, right? A lot of this comes down to, for me, in that example and scenario was, you know, I was afraid of being homeless, like making no money, losing everything, being destitute and being homeless. And in many ways, while that was a real fear of mine, it was very unlikely for a myriad number of reasons. You yeah. know, it, it was not a, a, a fear that should have been in the front of my mind as, okay, this is really something you should look at. You know, it's a, it was akin to, I'm afraid of public speaking because I'm going to stand out there and the light's going to fall on my head and I'm going to die in front of everybody. Like, you know, <laughs> it just didn't make sense. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of times highlighting the fears, figuring out, you know, just, just demystifying them, boiling them down can be very valuable. Um, the other piece of future stuff comes down to identities. Like, how do you view yourself? Who do you believe that you are and who have you been in the past? Right. You're not the same person you were one year, five year, 10 year, 20 years ago. Right. Of yes. course. And so who do you want to be in the future? Who do you need to be in order to accomplish the things you want to accomplish? And so shifting identities is a really funky part of that equation, but it's, it's the equation that's missed by a lot of people. You write down your goals all you want, but if you still believe you're way over there and you want to go way up there, right, yeah. there's going to be a disconnect. So how can you in advance, how can you now put yourself in a space where, hey, this is who I am, you know, yes. and then move towards that, right? That's a fun, fun experience.
do you do you find um do you find that um taking action and showing up as the person in the ways that you believe that they would show up is going to help reframe your your way of thinking and the way you speak like i know you say they go hand in hand but i like to say sometimes to my clients um you will act your way into feeling something something way faster than you will ever feel your way into action. So Love if you're it. waiting for a certain feeling, you're not probably ever going to get it or it'll come and it'll be very fleeting. But if you act, that feeling you're waiting for is going to be probably a byproduct of your actions. So how do you get somebody to start showing up within actions as they are changing their story? People have to make a decision. People have to make a decision. And I spent a long time in my financial planning career working with millennials. That was part of my, my design as a business and the idea is we grow together, right? But a lot of my peers at the time, and you know, granted I was younger, it was my early to mid twenties, but you know, I was having to convince my friends like, dude, please like save $20 a month. Like I don't even get paid for this. And if I do, it's pennies. Like this yeah. is for you, like, please. And it was just, I was talking to a brick wall many times, right? And so, you know, now I work with people who have decided to change. Now, making that decision, you still got to do it, right? Yeah. But that decision is that decision point is key. That inflection point is key, right? If people have done that, when people do that, um, you know, motivation is great, and there are days when I feel good and there are a lot of days that I don't from a, you know, let's call it a movement or workouts standpoint. And yet yeah. every day I make a concerted effort to set aside time to better myself physically. And, you know, that is a, a decision, right. And it becomes a discipline and then it becomes a lifestyle. You know, yeah. now I've set up my days to where like, I know I'm going to take my next call on a walk and it's going to be an hour and it's going to be great. And it's gorgeous outside. And like, you know, maybe I'll throw a vest on too. And like, yeah, yeah. Now I got a little way to walk going while I'm doing my thing, you know? And yeah. And there's always ways to build things in and to be efficient and effective with what you want to do if you have the knowledge and the discipline to follow through with it. Yes. So as a coach and for your own self, how do you know when you're really in the middle of a transformation that's going to stick and not reverse? Mm. Uh, That's a a really good question. I mean, there's a, there's a feeling like we've all done things in our lives, right? We've all followed through with something, right? Like, yes. and that's how our brains actually change. Like the more times we follow through with what we say we're going to do, even in the really little things like that, that creates that neuroplasticity. Like that's how our brains actually change. And, you know, we have to have those failures in order to feel like crap and be like, okay, well, I'm not gonna let that happen again. Right. You know, and, and we have to have those successes in order to be like, oh man, that felt great. Right. And like do that again. And so yes. I think it's a getting, you know, but you got to want it. You really got to want it. You know, and there's a great quote. I don't know who it's by, but it's something along the lines of if you did not get what you want, you either didn't want it badly enough or you tried to negotiate on the price. Ooh. And yeah, that hits because there's been things that <laughs> seriously, this is great. Y'all, my name's Dave. I'm out of here. <laughs> um, you know, I, I've negotiated on the price of things in my life and that sucks. Those are the things I regret, you know, and, and yet I've also 
said I wanted things or been working towards something that I didn't really intrinsically deep down want. And it, the universe or me or whatever you want to say, it's just set up roadblock after roadblock after roadblock after roadblock for me to understand like, okay, wait, what am I doing again? Why am I, why am I going up this mountain? Like I want to be going over there. Like I'm, I'm trucking along, but like, dude, wrong track, right tree, <laughs> wrong track. So, yeah, yeah. um, you know, there's, there's a lot of freedom in understanding who one is and what one wants and then being able to move towards that knowing there's good days and bad days and good stretches and great stretches and crappy stretches and everything else and so just understanding it's a journey and and it's so cliche and yet it's so real in that progress is very rarely linear progress almost never happens overnight and you know but it's not slow and steady yeah. Right. It's, it's just steady, like yeah. steady wins. And that can be a rapid steady, or that can be a long marathon steady, but people run really fast marathons and people yes. run hundred mile races too, you know? And so like, there's understanding where you are, who you are, and what you want is a process. And yet when one figures that out, it becomes a lot clearer and a lot easier to do the things you really need to do or want to do to do what you want to do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and speaking of like tracks and marathons, I do want to get into this because, um, I found it very fascinating. You are an obstacle course, like champion. And I want to bring in, in like, do you do obstacles like now or did you do it before you were a coach? Is it just all intermingled? And how do you interwine like the obstacles that you're going through physically during your courses within real life obstacle courses? And how do you yeah. mingle them in? And I also love obstacle courses. I'm certified with Start Fitness, Sergeant Ken. Um, and it's all obstacle course. It's mil- military style brought to civilian site, like style boot camp, And it's all Sweet. obstacle course. I love it. Love it. That so sounds I, awesome. I'm like, oh, I got to talk about that and bring in, bring in the obstacle course. Cause it is, it's a mental thing, right? Like physically sure. and, 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 and in life, there's going to be obstacle course, like obstacles. So how did you interwine them? It's, it's an understanding that there's more than one way to do it oftentimes, or there's different types of obstacles and you got to address them in different ways. Like some things you go under, some things you go over, some things you go through, some things you go around, you know, I, I signed up for it. Right. So I'm doing this voluntarily. Like I can just not go and not have a lot of those particular obstacles. Right. You know, you can quit something that doesn't serve you anymore and then not have to deal with a lot of that BS. Uh, so that's a great parallel. Um, you know, I, attribute obstacle course racing to getting me back into fitness after a long layover. Um, you know, I was a, a power lifter in, in played soccer my whole life, still play, but played up until college. I was a power lifter in college, got into some strongman events afterwards. And then I was a strength and conditioning coach at the collegiate level. And that allowed me to be able to continue that knowledge base and learn. And, um, you know, that was very important to me. And then I got into, you know, trying to build a career, right? So that yep. fell off drastically as those two priorities shifted, but OCR Spartan races in particular got me off the couch, like quite literally back into like doing something really hard, sucking at it, swearing I'll never do it again, showing up somehow the next year, forgot how hard it was, did better, 
went like, oh, wow, what if I actually tried, you know, and then that snowballed now six or seven years later into, you know, being able to have the opportunity to run really cool races in a lot of really amazing places and do do well enough. And then for me to want to keep going and see what happens. Um, one of the reasons why I love obstacle course racing in particular is that the specialist is very rarely going to win. And it is a sport where someone who is very average, if they work on certain things, they can become very unaverage over time, right? They can become exceptional over time because like, I, I'll never run a 215 marathon. I just, I just won't, I don't have yeah. that in me. Right. And, you know, nor do I need to deadlift 500 pounds anymore, you know, yeah. but I've got a pretty good running background. I've got a pretty good strength background got an overall decent, like I played sports as a kid background, like I can swing on the monkey bars, right? Like I can, yeah. you know, carry some stuff and, and it just so happens that you got to do all those things outside in the dirt, in the woods, on a mountain in obstacle course races. And so it, it works very well with my th- view on the world, you know, kind of where we started this conversation that everything works together and it's not just one piece, you know, and, and I would get really bored if all I had to do was just run or all I had to do was just lift. Like I, I got bored just yeah. doing that. And that's why I stopped, you know, <laughs> like, yes. uh, I didn't want to be in the gym anymore, you know? And, and after a couple of years out of the gym, I didn't necessarily want to go back into a gym only, yep. you know, and, and it provided a great outlet for me to get outside, do things with friends, get in a really cool community and to see progression over time as the work gets put in. You know, as a entrepreneur, a lot of the work we do, we don't get paid for, uh, you know, just because it's part of building the business. You know, a lot of times we'll get really far into a relationship or the sales process and it just falls through. You know, that happened financial planning that happens with coaching. It, it just happens. Right. Yes. And, you know, there's. If I run my runs and do my splits the way I'm supposed to, and if I climb twice a week. Right. And just follow the program that I've found works for me, then I'm going to adapt. Like it's, it's just yep. the science of it. Like if this, then that. And so I find that in a world where there is so much uncertainty in, you know, personally, professionally, et cetera, I find the certainty of run your Hills twice a week for the next 12 weeks. And you'll be a lot better at Hills. <laughs> right. I, yes. I, I love that. Yes. I love that. Yes. It's, it's like, it's like seeking small challenges so that, you know, mm-hmm. like when life gives you challenges, which it's going to, you're, you're, you're able to adapt better to, to them. Um, do you find that that is one way you help with your clients is to help them seek a little bit of, you know, challenging themselves to get out of that comfort zone, whether it's just, I, 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 I'm doing this and it's working for me. Well, I, I'm glad that it's working, but you want to be here. So yeah. let's, let's move you out. How do you help somebody get out of challenges? Like find challenges that will help them propel. Sometimes people need to push and other times people need to be pulled. And oh. you know, one of the things that I like, one, one of my main core tenants, like Dave, what do you like to do? I like to travel, train and inspire people. That's really what I want. Like, that's what I want out of my life is, you know, I want to see really cool places and I want to be able to take care of myself and, and, you know, physically express myself on a regular basis. And I want to inspire people to do whatever they want to do. And I think by being an expander for people that allows them 
you know, Hey, well, Dave's doing it. Like if he can run that, I bet I can run this, you know, and, and those types of interactions or messages or conversations fire me up. And, and a lot of times it comes from people who I haven't talked to in a long time or have, haven't liked or commented a single time on anything. I'm like, you're watching really (laughs) like, like just say something sometime then, you know, but here we are three years later. It's like, Hey, you know, I'm doing X, Y, Z. And it's really cool because of ABC. And, you know, I just, I, I love being, you know, I, I have a lot of expanders in my life. I have a lot of people that I look up to and, and think, you know, at the same time as, as, as proud as I am of those people or as much of the accomplishments as they've had and as hard as they've worked for them, I still look at it and be like, well, if he can do it, I can do it. Yes. And people need those people in their life. People need those gassers, like the people that yes. can push them and, and get them stoked and get them, you know, started on the project or keep going on the project or, or whatever it may be. And, and a lot of times the best people for that are the quote unquote average people who are just like doing it, doing <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Yes. I love that. Well, oh, I could honestly when you're um oh i got all caught off guard for a second let me get let me look where did i go where did i put it? so for um for when you're with like when you're with a client and mm-hmm. you know they have this you know this life dream that they have this person that they you know want to become and things like that what is like the number one thing that you find is like just always there, always holding someone back, or it's just like, you you know, it's coming in. Like, you're just like, I know, I know they're going to say this. Like, it's something that's just a part of everybody's, everyone's struggle. Yeah. Um, imposter syndrome or that fear of failure. Yeah. yeah. There was a, that what if question, right? Like what if things go wrong? Right. And, and that's a good question to ask, especially in the beginning of a project or in the beginning of, of, you know, whatever you're going to do, but the more fun question to ask and the, frankly, the more realistic question to ask is what if this goes right or what can go right? Or what if we pull this off or, you know, any myriad number of those types of forward positive thinking questions. And so a lot of people, deal with imposter syndrome. A lot of people deal with fear of failure. A lot of people, you know, just think that they can't do things and like, yo, you can quit your job. Like you can sell your house. You can get a different apartment or you can move to a different place. Like you can leave that relationship. You can start another one, right? Like you can do whatever you want to do. It, It may take some time. It may take some, some logistical things. It may cause temporary pain and suffering of you or others. Right. Yep. And you can do those things, whether you want to, whether you end up doing it or not, that's, you know, up to you, but it is possible. Trust me. So having that knowledge and understanding is invaluable to people who haven't had like, they haven't been able to breach that in their mind, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, within within someone's you know life there's people like you said and we all need people we need all people that are going to gas us up and stuff how do you help somebody navigate 
like you say, if it's a story, how do you help someone navigate the characters that are in their life that, you know, maybe can't, you know, just get removed out of their life, family members that they have to see people that they have to deal with, you know, life situations, and things that, you know, that are there. How do you help them navigate those characters within themselves and their stories so that, you know, it works for them? A lot of times setting boundaries, which is the first time for many people, you know, um, there's, we may think that, yeah, just because it's my mom, like I have to keep doing this. Like you don't, you really don't, you don't have to keep doing that. You don't have to keep showing up in that way. You don't have to keep allowing her to do X, Y, Z. Right. Because ultimately if we're using that projection analogy, like, like, she blah, 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 blah. It's like, no, you're still in that situation. It's I blah, 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 blah. Right. And taking ownership and control of that. It doesn't mean you say F you or never talk to people again, or, you know, and sometimes it may, right. Sometimes you may literally say F you and never talk to that person again. That's the best possible scenario for you. Uh, But for a lot of people, it's just changing, like altering the relationship or or taking responsibility for where they are now, Uh, especially when it comes to authority figures you know, like parents or bosses or spouses, even, you know, or things of that nature. Like, like you have your own voice, you are your own you. And most likely you are no longer a child and thus can make your own decisions. And again, it may be a pain in the butt to do. It may cause X, Y, Z. And sometimes making those harder decisions, those painful decisions are the catalyst for change or the number one thing that you could do to instantly better your life by multiple points on the one to 10 scale, you know, <laughs> like, yes, yes. Uh, removing toxic people, getting out of toxic spaces, um, getting into more loving, fulfilling architect type spaces. Yeah. I mean, there's so many different examples of that, that I think anybody listening can draw parallels in their own life for, um, but ultimately it's your life. Like, your life is your life. Don't let it be clubbed into dank submission. It's the opening line to one of my favorite poems by Charles Bukowski. And that is, that's real. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. And for those that are in your life and, you know, they're the people that are your encouragers, they are your pushers, they're your pullers, they help you. How do you find those people? Because in the conversation we had, you, you've mentioned that it's hard for adults to even just have one person that they can really talk to or even be friends with that are. So how do you find people that are going to uh, push you, pull you, um, allow you to heal all of those things? Like, how do you find people if in reality, they might not be like a, I don't want to say friend, but like, how do you find those connections? I should say, if, yeah. if, if friendship is not what we generally have as adults, how do we find those right. connections? You know, I, I definitely recognize I'm in a bubble and that is an intentional bubble. Um, you know, I, I naturally gravitated and intentionally gravitated towards people who got me fired up and who, you know, our energies matched. Right. And I've, intentionally let go of friendships and acquaintances who it just like felt weird or didn't feel great on a consistent basis. And that's not to say that, you know, we don't work through problems or things aren't always great with all my buddies, you know, but we're able to work through it. 
you know, I think the other really big practical thing that people can take away from this and do now is choose a social media platform. I like Instagram for this. And if like start really curating that, like you can unfollow your friends. You can un like, even if it's like all baby photos, like I've got a number of friends who like, listen, like I love their kids. Like I'll hang out like all good. But every time I pull up Instagram, I see a baby photo or a picture of a golf cart and I'm like, I just don't want to see it. So like I muted it, you know, and now that person's feed doesn't come up. And now in replace of that is something that's motivating, inspiring, or educational. You know, or I'm supporting someone who has a venture that, you know, uh, other fellow coach or podcast or whatever it may be. Right. And so my feed is really intentional. If I'm going to get on Instagram, which, you know, whatever I am. Right. And if, you know, those things, if there are people who inspire me on Instagram or on social media or whatever it is, then why not look at those folks as opposed to, you know, the one talking crap or the one, you know, not really adding value to my life at this point in time and people can post whatever they want to post and that's great. And, you know, the accounts that I see the most, I'm happy I'm seeing them. I learn from them. I get moved by them, you know, emotionally or mentally or otherwise, right? Like I'm, there's a guy, Jesse Itzler, uh, he's a, a serial entrepreneur. He actually married Sarah Blakely, who's the founder of Spanx. And so okay. they are a real power couple. Um, he is in his mid fifties now, uh, early fifties. And he is such an inspiration to me in that he lives his life like all out, um, you know, does weekly, monthly challenges. He's fasting every Monday. He's running ultra marathons. He's getting after it and he's being a great dad and a great leader. And just like, like, I want to see Jesse stuff, you know, like when Jesse comes on and says something like, I'm like, cool, man. Like maybe at 50, take out, maybe that's soft talk. Definitely at 50. That's what I'm going to be. That's the direction I would like to head, you know? And for being 53 years old and doing the stuff he can do and looking the way that he does and having the energy he does and the influence he does like, cool. I want to, I want to head that way. I don't want to be like Jesse. I don't want to be Jesse, but I want to move in that direction. And so seeing that influence on a regular basis is super valuable, you know, so curate it, curate your friend group, curate your, your uh, social media page, you know, curate the news that you're watching maybe not watch a whole lot of news yeah, anymore. Yeah, you yeah, know, maybe yeah. just turn it off. Everything's going to be fine. If something really happens, you'll hear about it otherwise, right? Like, yep, yep. you know, just, just be intentional about where you're spending your time. On Netflix, check out the documentary section. Learn a little bit, get a different perspective. You know, there's just a lot of ways people can start this growth process without, without hiring a coach or without you know, having to do, you know, uh, burn the bridges, so to speak, yes. or burn the ships, you know, like there's, it's progression. I, w- I was going to talk about that um, within our relationships, whether, you know, we're trying to remove or curate our, our time and our people so that, you know, the things that are in our life are serving us or, you know, we're getting around the people that are exciting for us. How do you... Um, Oh, I just lost the question. How, oh, what was it? How do you, um, 
how do you allow yourself to go into your own self's relationship and work on that and curate yourself? Mm. Yeah. You know, it's the cliche of you have to pour from a full cup. Um, you know, put your own oxygen mask on first before you help those around you from the airplane, you know, thing. Like I've really truly believe that. And, and I've put my own physical mental health and well-being first in many ways. And I do not view that as selfish. I view that as, you know, me being able to then send out many, 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 many more ripples than I would otherwise. Cause I've lived in burned out States. I've lived in, you know, uh, give, 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 go, go, go candles at both ends. You know, like now I sleep nine hours a night. Like I don't see anybody before 11 AM. Right. I'm typically in bed by nine 30 or 10. I'm typically up around eight, you know, seven 38, sometimes eight 30. I don't set an alarm. And when I wake up, I get in the garden, I have coffee. I'd go on a walk. Like I'm chill. And I do that so that I can hold that space so that I can pour from a full cup. And if I get stretched or if I get, you know, um, if my cup starts to empty, like I have zero qualms canceling everything and saying like, Hey guys, I'm going to hit you next week. Like, yeah. let's, let's regroup, you know, let's push this. Right. And, and the ability to, to do that and to be open and vulnerable with my friends, my family, my clients, like that, that shows that I am human and that I'm, you know, there you go up. Oh, damn, like, okay. Like, it's just, it's more, like, I want to be a normal person. I want to be, a, you know, like I am an average individual who, you know, has just done various things for various periods of time. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, being able to pour f- first means that I can pour out so much more for everybody else. Yes. Um, yes. And, and people love- need to, ident- people can identify with that and people can adopt that. A lot of times parents, moms in particular, you know, I, I see this a ton with moms, oh, you know, know, like, like self-care is huge, it's huge. Yeah. You know, and, and taking care of yourself means you can take care of those around you so much better. Yeah. I, I actually have a, a mastermind. It, it was eight weeks. Um, I'm actually retweaking it a little bit to make it go a little bit more deeper. And I've eliminated some of the stuff, but it's actually called becoming self-full to self-flowing. And it's to help people understand how to fill their cup up so that it's overflowing and so that they can keep what's in the cup and give, share, and serve what's overflowing from their cup. And we talk about self-awareness, self-acceptance, self-love slash discipline, and self-worth. And like those are the four components that we we mingle in through and, and we dive into. So I love that I love you that. said that because, yeah, it, it's so important especially moms. I'm always, I I don't have children of my own right now, but I am an aunt and I love being an auntie. I'm, I'm one of those adults that it's like, unless a good conversation's happening with the adults at like the parties, I'm like the one playing with the kids, like running in the playground. And so (laughs) I'm not, I'm that adult. Um, And so for me, like, having friends that have children I'm always like slow down like the one day I just my one friend she was just up in a in a roar and she was just like 
crying and I just like held her and I was just like you're not doing anything wrong like you're not you are doing the best that you can with what you can and you know with what you know and I just hugged her and just let her cry and I was just like what is one thing that you can do for you and I can help you with it and she told me and I just like do it right and it was as simple as having a shower like her like just being able to have a shower with peace without worrying about what her child was doing. <laughs> like, it's just crazy. So it's just like, go have a shower. I'll hang out with them. It's fine. And like, she came yeah. up, like, down and was just like the energy and the aura of her was just like so different. And it's like, ladies, find ways to take care of yourself. <laughs> like you got 100%. to, you please, got to. you've got to, you've got to. And, and, the more moms and ladies that can do that, the better off everybody is. Like yes. better me, better everyone. Like yes. if everyone said that, then everyone would be better. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And dads and men. Men need to hundred percent and and men and dad too, for sure, for sure. Um, but being a woman and going to be a, hopefully a mom some point will be a mom at one point in my life uh, i'm just gonna hold it for women because i feel that we are a lot of the glue to the family agreed, agreed. men are the rocks we glue we glue everything you guys Let's glue the them. rocks together yeah that's yeah <laughs> you guys down and we, glue, we glue everything together which is i find perfect um i want to i want to talk about uh how do you allow somebody like how do you find ways to fill up your cup if somebody is not used to having a cup that is full or even a half a cup because they're used to running on empty, how do you help them learn to like plug their cup up and start filling? <laughs> there is a ton of low hanging fruit from a health and wellness standpoint. The first would be fill your cup with water and drink it regularly. A lot of people's tiredness, lack of energy, headaches, cramps, right? There's a myriad number of issues that come with being dehydrated. And most Americans, most people living the standard American diet or Western culture don't drink enough water, plain and freaking simple. And so drink more water. Uh, Most people are around bad electricity constantly. Wi-Fi, cell phones, you know, um, TV, radio, uh, microwaves, et cetera, et cetera. Go outside get some sun, put your feet in the grass, ground, literally, physically ground. Um, You know, sunlight is invaluable and without it, all life would cease to exist. And so we sit inside away from the sun way too often. Uh, Go for a walk. Yeah. Wherever you are, you know, get outside, happen to be in the sun, maybe, hopefully, who knows? Uh, You know, maybe you find some grass, maybe you find some water, right? Like, in many ways, it is so simple and can be so easy to get big chunks of feel better with a couple little actions, couple little additions, couple little subtractions. Yes. Um, you know, from a subtraction standpoint, alcohol is a huge deterrent to healthy rest and sleep and rest and recovery and replenishing and everything else. Not to say that you know, that's bad or one should never have a drink or anything like that. And addressing slash bringing awareness to one's relationship with, you know, 
what is arguably the most popular drug in America is a valuable thing to do. Um, you yes. know, uh, removing, I think we add significant amounts by removing little things, you know, little things. It, it's really interesting with health and wellness. It's like over time, like let's say you add water. So that's a plus one and you yep. subtract alcohol. So that's a minus one. So that should equal zero, right? In wellness terms, that equals five. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's like a plus five. Yeah. Right. Like it's just the math is weird. Think of it as compounding. Like we don't really know what happens here, but like that's substantially better. That don't yeah. cancel each other out. It's not a plus one or plus two, like multiply times X. Yeah. You know, like, so, you know, and then if you start to do that on a regular basis, like day after day after day, you know, just like compound interest in a financial, you know, investment vehicle, like you can invest in yourself. And you can compound health in full cup over time. Uh, that cup gets bigger. The receptacle gets bigger, you know? So I was, I was going to talk about that. I was going to say, do you feel that sometimes people need to get a bigger cup? Oh yeah. <laughs> <Is> <laughs> yeah. That, Hell yeah. Do you feel that that's some of the reasons why people feel drained? It's not because they're they're empty it's because they're like their cup's just not big enough like they're like you know those people that are like they give 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 and like they're good people and it's just like how do you like like it's just they need a big it's like they need a bigger cup like i don't yeah, know you need to, to just like you need to buy an x-gulp or a, you know a venti as opposed to the grande or whatever right yeah. and and a lot of people have soda in their cup literally and figuratively a lot of people got a ton of sweet tea and they're the nicest people in the world. And yeah, ultimately like that's a sugar bomb and we should probably replace that sweet tea with regular water or regular tea or something different, you know? Yeah. And so I, I think getting a bigger cup, pouring different stuff in your cup, um, you know, those are all valuable analogies to use with people because, you know, both of them are going to elicit different responses for people. And someone may go, Oh yeah, well my, my cup's plenty big, but damn, I do have a lot of soda in that instead. Maybe they got a lot of coffee in it. Like, yeah. My mom, bless her heart. Right. Like I cannot get this woman to drink water. It's just, it's like coffee and tea and like, that's, <laughs> like, God bless. So, you know, there's, um, there's an awareness that has to happen first. Then there has to be a desire Right. And then there has to be follow through in that action and, you know, forgiving oneself when one isn't perfect and realizing that, you know, over time you can do a lot of things. Yes. Yes. If you could have one of your clients use one specific sentence or one certain phrase that holds a lot of good, powerful words, what would you, what, what sentence or phrase would you give your clients? I love myself on repeat, like nonstop, nonstop, make it a practice to where no matter what, if you are consciously aware of a thought or you are like, Oh, I'm thinking now go back to, I love myself. And that is transformative, literally, yes. and very quickly, because what happens is the world starts to love you back. Uh, you start to put yourself in situations where if you loved yourself, you would do the thing. And if you didn't love yourself, you wouldn't do the thing or, you know, something along those lines, right? You, yes. you start to do things that 
because you love yourself, you're doing this. Yes. And a lot, I mean, two things cannot occupy the same space at the same time. That's a rule of physics, right? And so if there's love there, if we have the most powerful force in the universe, if that's in the space, guess what isn't in the space? Hey, all the other crap. Yeah. Hey, yeah. you know, like uh, yeah. anger, fear, anxiety, et cetera, et cetera. If, if the predominant emotion is love, then, then, you know, everything gets better. So I put, I love myself on repeat for people. Uh, and there's a great book by Kamal Ravikant called love yourself. Like your life depends on it. It's a really quick read. It's uh, on audible. It's like an hour to, to the dot. So it's like a, a real easy in, and he gives a very compelling personal story on why loving yourself is very valuable. Uh, but that's Kamal, K-A-M-A-L, Ravikant, R-A-V-I-K-A-N-T, I think. Love yourself like your life depends on it. Oh, I'm going to get that. I like that. Yeah, it's solid. And it's a quick read, too. It's like a like a good night in and you're done, you know, from a reading standpoint. So. Oh, I like that. I like that. Yeah, I'm always, I'm always telling my clients um, and, and talking with my clients about how they're, they're always like, the the I'll, I'll be happy when or I'll love myself mm. when and that is huge for me I'm always I'm always nipping people in the I'm always nipping them in the butt yeah like no you can't you can't just love the byproduct of the thing that you're working on like you have to love yourself now like you have to learn to love who you are now what your body especially people that are trying to transform their body and everything like you have to love your body for what it does now even if it aches while you move every single Mm -hmm. second if it allows you to walk and it's achy be happy that and love yourself that you get to walk right like Mm -hmm. love yourself for what you're capable of doing now and what you are able to do and who you are now as you work towards and show up as the person you desire to be because if you're waiting just to be that become that person you're gonna hit that person you might not even realize you you've hit that person you've become that person and you're so miserable Mm -hmm. or you become that person you realize you're that person but you don't love yourself because now you're wanting to become someone someone wholly different so it's like when are you ever going to love yourself there is a you can alter that phrase if it doesn't sit well with you for whatever reason you know maybe you hate yourself right now and you know saying i love myself is just no dude no way right like i love who i'm becoming I love who I'll become if I keep going, right? Like there are variations of this that can sit better with people depending on where they are. And if you hate yourself now or dislike yourself now or don't like where you are, don't like the direction that you've been in, make a different decision and start repping. I love who I'm becoming. I love who I'm creating. I love, you know, like any variation of that is forward looking and it allows for those feelings that aren't love to occur. And yet it allows for the love to come in because in the direction of that you're headed, there's love that way, right? There is a light somewhere. It may not be much light, but it beats the darkness. And having people realize that is incredibly valuable. And one of the other things to think about is, you know, one day I, won't be able to run ultra marathons 
you know, one, one day be it at 53 or 93, right. Whatever it is, I uh, hope it's 93, but you know, my physical activity, the things that I love to do are going to cease to exist. So I spent a lot of time in my, you know, formative years. And then afterwards in my young adult years with body dysmorphia or hating how I looked or hating what I, you know, like, like how I was performing or, or, um, you know, any of those things. And yep. in many ways, that's one of the things I regret because I can look back and be like, well, you know, just having a different perspective and really appreciating where I was at that particular point in time. And that particular part of my journey would have been invaluable at that time. And we can't go back, but moving forward, you know, we may not be where we want to be. And yet I can still say, I love who I'm becoming. I love the direction I'm heading in. You know, I love who I am now. And I love myself for my past experiences and mistakes and, you know, everything else. And that acceptance, that forgiveness, that, that clarity and joy that that brings is, is so peaceful and can be a great foundation and platform to start moving forward on. Yeah. That just reminded me of, of something that happens quite often with people that are like, Oh, I don't like the way that I look or I'm big or I hate my weight right now. And then all of a sudden they like, they're looking back in their pictures and they're like, Oh my God, I look fabulous. And you're like, yeah, remember that day you, you were telling your, you were telling me and yourself that you were looking fat and like an elephant and you wanted me to delete that picture, but I didn't. You're welcome. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you're welcome. Cause you look like a badass bitch. Uh, I love exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, and, yeah. and things will change over time, you know, but just appreciating where we are now because we don't know whether this is the best part or the worst part of the journey, you know, like we, yes, we yes. don't know, but we can appreciate how we got here and where we are now and, and have faith and hope and desire and intention that things will continue to get better and that we can, we are largely in control of that. We are largely in control, not someone else, not an entity, not another force. Like we are largely in control of our future and having that realization starting to act on that is, is key. Yes. As a coach, what is like the number one thing that really like you see your clients doing and it's just like, you're like, wow, like it fires you up. It's like the number one thing that just, just blows you away every single time a client's in the middle of doing it or has done it correcting their own language in real time, which is hard. It's hard. Um, you know, now I, I, and I, my friends largely have gotten used to this, but I, I will repeat myself. I will say, you know, blank acknowledge, you know, like I, I'll say, man, I, I can't keep doing that negation acknowledged, you know, like I, I, I'm aware that I use the negation, right. You know, and then I'll rephrase that I can do blank. Right. And, and catching that in real time and seeing clients do that for the first time or, first couple times is really cool. It's really cool. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited for that because me and me and Mark did have a little talk about like learning all of it. And I have my software talk right here up on my, on my wall. Um, nice. Yeah. And I'm excited to like dive myself into the level one course. Cause like he said, it's really, it's kind of like you're putting yourself through the process, right? You so are. that you can then really go out and help others you know transform their life and their stories and stuff like that so i'm very excited about that um 
I also had uh, Mike Bells Bellsdo. I can't I always Bledsoe. Yes, I had him on my podcast too. He is a he's a great man himself. I yeah. He is. Um, he was a while ago, and uh, I loved his thing, and I realized that you guys were all connected through Mark when I was doing his thing. I was like, what? Whoa, this is like a small word world, but yet very big. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so small, but yet very big. It's crazy. The so, web expands. Yes. So when, um, I just have a couple more questions. Yeah, please. Then, uh, then I'm, I think I'm good. And then probably a lot will come up later on. So we'll do a round two down the yeah, road. I, was gonna say, I yeah, might yeah, have yeah. to have a round two because <laughs> my page is just like all over. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> <Written> stuff. <laughs> so besides when, when you're starting, I love that you have that because I, an aha moment came in when you were saying like, I love who I'm going to, I'm, I'm becoming. Mm -hmm. I'm going to start using that with my clients because I feel that maybe I have as my, as myself, as a coach might have been gaslighting my clients in a way that they've kind of almost self-sabotaged themselves because I'm putting them in an uncomfortable situation with trying to get them to say that they love themselves for who they are now. So I really love that, like you switch those words up because even for myself, there's times where I'm like, oh my God, like, this is like, what am I doing? Like, mm -hmm. and I have sure. to remind myself that it's like, I'm loving who I'm becoming right now. So that, that, that's amazing that you brought that up. Um, can, can you share a story, like whether it's in yourself or within a client that that's really like struck a chord for someone? Because I yeah. think that's going to help some clients or some listeners that are hearing. So, you know, words, words matter, like the actual words matter. So yes. uh, I mentioned a, a back or an injury, like I, I blew out my back in March of 2019 and then had a setback in July of 2019 and you know brutal like not being able to pick up pins for weeks and weeks and oh. you know still like on a daily basis like I'm aware that like very conscious of my back and my position you know if I'm slouching like I feel it if I don't stretch at night I wake up in the middle of the night like it's just you know ongoing stuff and yet oh. in the beginning of this process you know I would say six months in round roundabout you know, I, I really began the process of healing because I started to believe that it could occur. Uh, like I would say things like my back is healed, my back is healed. And I knew it was bullshit. I knew it deep down, like physiologically, I would say that and it would just be like, like, yeah, it's not healed. It's not true. That's not accurate. And, you know, I would, I would then act accordingly, <laughs> right? <laughs> the subtle shift occurred and the healing and growth really started to occur when I switched my back is healed to my back is healing or I'm healing my back or I'm in the process of healing my back or one day soon I will return to regular activity or, you know, my back is uh, going to be great, going to feel great. Like whatever it is, it was very forward looking and I could say every single one of those terms, take a big breath. <sighs> yeah, one day my back will be healed. One day I will be able to return to physical activity. And so I started to rep that because 
the vibes that I got after I said those out loud or internally were way different than the vibes I got when I tried to, you know, trick myself into being like, my back is healed. It's like, no, dude, your back's not healed. You know, so, and it is healing. So I could start to focus on that forwardness. So uh, finding accuracy in your words, finding accuracies in your affirmations and your mantras and your intentions, you know, in, in, in what you're saying to yourself on a regular basis in your self-talk is vital, is vital. And you can be forward thinking and love who you're becoming and be moving in that direction with language that supports that if you search around a little bit. Yes, I love that. I love that. Well, Dave, thank you so much for all that you do and for honestly just exploding this episode with value and knowledge and inspiration and insights and my mind's like, so, um, and I can just imagine once I like take time to like reflect it and then listen into it, there's probably definitely going to be a part two needed because like I said, my notes are just all over the place and, uh, I very much enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for honestly being such a light and really allowing people to, to flourish within themselves and the world. You're making it such a better place. So thank you. Thank you, Candace. I really do appreciate that and receive that. And, you know, there's, I love your genuineness and the way that, that you go about this particular process that you've created because it, it is very flowy and it's very real and it's, and it's, you know, it's a very good interview from my perspective. So uh, well done. Thank you for having me. I'm all in on part two and we'll catch you next time. Yes, I do have to keep going and going and going and going and going. Um, where can my listeners find you? I'm on the web at workyourstories.com. Uh, and then I'm on the Instagrams at get strapped, stay strapped. Oh, I like it. I like it. One question that I, I finish off all of my podcasts with, and that is, what is your perspective on positivity? My perspective on positivity. It's so needed. It's so vital. People, you know, can and should do more of it. Um, and, and think of it as ripples, you know, like my definition of impact is the ripples that one creates and sends out into their world. And positivity can be that exact same thing. Like you throw a rock in the ocean, you won't ever see that wave on the other side, but it'll go. Yeah. It'll go. You never know how that's going to affect something. So keep being positive. I love it. Holy moly, that's the sound of my mind being blown by that episode. Wow, Dave truly, truly laid it all out in that episode. And I I hope that you take away something and start implementing into your life right away. And uh, let us know what you guys do, what you take away, what you thought of this episode by tagging us in the socials on instagram it is at get strapped stay strapped for dave and it's at spark plug wellness for myself and for facebook it is dave robertson and candace axford for me and 
we want to know what you guys thought, what you took away from this. Also, please rate and review the podcast. It truly does help me. It helps my guests get the value out to more listeners. So share with a friend. If this helped you, share with a friend. Go ahead. I know you want to. Share with a friend. I truly appreciate it. My guests appreciate it. I love you guys so very, very much. It is now time to go out and do something positive and be positive.